Hello, I'm Paul. I'm Adam. And I'm Ben. And welcome to the Film Busters Podcast. The film show with no filters, no prisoners taken, loads of disagreements, but one hell of a love for cinema. If you want to hear three friends ridiculing each other for an hour or so regarding their taste in films, then you have come to the right place. In each episode, one of the team picks a film for us to discuss. It could be anything from a recent cinema release to an all-time classic. So, strap in and get ready to get mad or get vindicated as we guide you through the murky world of being a film geek. If you like what you hear, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram using at Pod. You can also find each of our individual accounts. I'm at FilmBustersPaul. I'm at FilmBustersAdam. And I'm at FilmBustersBen. If you want to use your eyes instead of your ears, you can also visit the website at filmbusterspod.co.uk. And if busting makes you feel good, you can also support us at patreon.com forward slash filmbusters for exclusive content. Or shoot over and get some groovy merchandise at society6.com forward slash filmbusters. All right, can we just get on with this now, please? Filmbusters. All right, Adam, tell me what you know about the Oscar nominations. What's outrageous? I don't know. I just feel like Don't Look Up getting nominated for Best Picture is a bit out there. Fucking stupid as, isn't it? I haven't looked at anything. I only looked at that top line, I think. Mm. Kirsten Stewart's up for Best Actress. What about Kristen? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's good. Is Lady Gaga up for it? No. Oh, that's good. Not be- I mean, what, I, I haven't seen the film, but- Oh, House of Gucci. Mm. Yeah. I'm glad, because otherwise it just turns into a fucking, like, pop ceremony. I mean, it's bad enough as it is, but... Uh... So, is Spencer in the best film category? No. Oh, that's that's so I think it's only been nominated for her. Um, yeah, it's only been nominated for her. She's only nomination for Spencer. Hmm. Do you think that's right? Do you think it should be nominated for best film? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of the other films. I don't think I've seen any of the best picture so, nomination, really. In, in, in comparison to Up and Don't Look Up, Up in the Air, Sid. Oh, yeah, it's a much better film than Don't Look Up, in my opinion. Yeah, Spencer's one of the finest films of last year, man. I mean, June June is up for Best Picture, which is interesting, because I, I wouldn't actually give it Best Picture. It's an incredible film, but it doesn't deserve Best Film of the Year. It's like technical achievements. Yes, Te- yeah, yeah, not. exactly. It should get it for technical achievements and whatnot. It kind of feels like we need to see all of the June before before uh, casting on that. But yeah, for something like Don't Look Up to be in there. I haven't seen Kenneth Branagh's Belfast, but that looks like a snooze fest, man. Mm, yeah. I could I could have had the opportunity to see it the other day, but I chose Jackass instead. Yeah, I think you made the right call. Mm. I think you made the right call. Zoe wasn't interested, but it's fine. What, <laughs> it's in, in Jackass? Exactly. It's a compromise. <laughs> it was your birthday. How was your birthday? It was very nice, thank you. Very relaxing. We just had a nice meal at the Everyman Cinema and then watched Jackass. The, the last time I saw you was on your birthday two years ago, or, or slightly after your birthday, I think it was. I don't think it was your actual birthday. Or was know, it? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Two years. Sickening. Absolutely ridiculous. You've, you've seen Adam in that time? That's because he kind of works in the same job as me, so it kind of just makes mm. sense. Well, I work in the <laughs> same street as you. You wish. You we wish. could go Tesco together and go visit the DVD aisle. I know, we used to do that. That used to be our ritual, listeners. We all work together, and at lunchtime we go to Tesco. For you international listeners, that's a supermarket. And we go to the DVD aisle, and we'd peruse. And it would always be the same shit, pretty much. Mm-hmm. But we would peruse. Mm-hmm. And we'd love it. Loving life. We'd love it. It was, a, it was a fine time to be alive, and I miss it. It was great. 
We were also Vine, Vine superstars back in the day. We were. <laughs> well, you, you, you thought you were Vine superstars. We, uh, in our own eyes, yes, you were. Yeah, we, we, we went to Vine meetups and shit. <laughs> we did. We were part of Team Blunkett. <laughs> Horrendous meetups. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was a one that one fun day. It was fun. We ran away. We did. We had to run away at the end because that was just too much. That, that had gone weird by the end. I don't know what was going on. There was that one guy who was just twitching away. What was his name? Rodney? Fuck knows. Do you I remember, remember Rodney? Rod- yeah, Pete. I kind of do. Pete had... Um, keep this all in because it will make no sense to anyone, but just hear the anecdote. Pete had disappeared for about an hour and he had taken Rodney's phone and Rodney was sort of like trembling in the club with Leo and Tony and me and you were stood outside looking in at him trembling and we were sort of like shall we just bounce and then the thing was we didn't tell anyone and as we were leaving do you remember as we were going to the tube station Pete come out after being gone (laughs) for like an hour where the fuck did he go (laughs) oh dear wow Anyway. I'm sure everyone enjoyed those names. They were very unique names. Very so unique. Makes I don't interesting. even know who any of those people are. <laughs> you just saw them. You used to see them, sir. Enough of that, anyway. Let's talk about a wonderful thing that's happened today. This is the last journey in our 1987 run of films. It is. It feels like it's been a long time that we've been doing this. It's been all year so far, right? Yeah, crazy. Since we kicked it off with Robocop, we had one extra instalment because we had a patron one this time. So this mm, is... yeah. And we did scream in the middle, so it's bulked it That's up. That's true. Yes. Very true. Very true. What are we doing today, Ben? This is your pick, isn't it? We are doing the the best 1987 film. It's called Dirty Dancing, Dirty Dancing. Even though you haven't seen it, it's the best. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it is or not. Yes, but before we go on to the film, should we just talk about our wonderful Patreon channel? Oh, please. Yes. Go. Tell, tell everyone about them. So... We have a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash filmbus. We have exclusive content. You can get exclusive episodes, what no one else hears other than our patrons. And you can suggest films for us to review. And you can even come on the podcast. It's very fun over there. Adam, what are we doing on the Patreon today? So on the Patreon today, we discussed the best director cuts of films. And, or in my opinion, and the way I did it, just new cuts of films, different cuts of films that have come out across time. We discussed the best and we discussed the worst. We did. Oh, yes. We did. It was a, yes. it was a very good episode, I, I believe. It was. I, yeah. It was a big one, actually. It wasn't a short and sweet one. We, we, it was. Yeah, it was like we went off almost an hour long. And there were some fascinating yeah. connections between the films we picked as well, which is oh, yes. most interesting. Lovely. But the only way you can hear that, if you, if you sign up to our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters, and you can join the likes of Luke Human. Yes, you can. You also have Steve from Movie Drone. You do. You also have Katie and Otie all the way from Australia, Sydney. They're in the yes. middle of their own uh, Quentin Tarantino retrospective at the moment. Oh, yeah, it's very good. I'm in the middle of the Jackie Brown episode. Oh, yeah, I, I haven't listened to that one yet. Mm. Otie let me down because he uh, said at the end of his... Uh, Reservoir Dogs episode that he thought it was better than Pulp Fiction and I was like yay Oti awesome well done oh yeah and then I listened <laughs> yes. to Pulp Fiction and immediately he's like nah I was wrong <laughs> I know that let me down too <laughs> come on Oti we also have Julio from the Contrarians yes we do we have Sean Panda Nicholson from Scotland even though he calls himself a panda well here's another Scot for you but he doesn't live in Scotland anymore so he's a traitor just like William Wallace was yeah you heard me just like Wallace <laughs> just like hell. Wallace I thought William it's Wallace Jamie was a Russell. good Scot yeah I know I know oh that's funny I'm subverting expectations 
<laughs> you're gonna piss everybody off here just because they beat us at rugby doesn't mean you can just like fucking hey i love the scots up. they're better than us they're better than us i mean i'm part scottish so yeah so am i murray ferguson yeah ferguson and there's a there's a german over there i'm just a german yeah <laughs> there's a reason he chose to play hitler <laughs> oh yes oh yes of course we also have nerd revert the wonderful nerd revert he yes. is from albuquerque Yes, one of the staple patrons there, isn't he? Oh, we yeah. one of our newer patrons again. I don't know if they're not our newer patrons anymore. They've been on for six yeah. months now. Old hat now. We have Fiona Stewart. And last, but most certainly not least, the delightful man that we cannot praise enough, Philip Barantini, director of Boiling Point. Thanks for sticking yes. with us, sir. Wonderful, wonderful. So, should we move on to a staple of every episode, Ben? Yes, we shall. So, it's at this particular point in the show where i ask the boys questions so i'm about to do so but i would kindly ask paul to update everyone on the scores as they stand yes so the scores so far are me and ben tied on three points each and adam just one point behind on two points yes i'm back in it look at that there's excitement to be had i mean i should have 100 points just for being great but there's excitement to be had folks well here's time for a couple of questions the dirtiest questions you can find. <laughs> Are you ready, boys? I hope you were paying very good attention. Considering this is not I the first so. time you've seen the film, I'm expecting correct answers to both of you. I'm wondering how to phrase this question, but I'm going to go with it this way. Okay. Question number one. Who wrote and performed the song, She's Like the Wind? Patrick Swayze. Oh, he knew straight away. I know that because I love that song. I had no like idea until this film that Patrick Swayze fucking sang that. I'd heard that song for so long. I ne- they never talk about Swayze no, singing he's that. a wonderful man. And he, what song was it? it? She's Like the Wind. The, oh. the funny thing about this film as well, he had to tone down his dancing because he was too good for the character. Oh, the character wasn't supposed wild. to be a professional. <laughs> he also had injuries though, right? So maybe that was why he, it was easier to tone it down. Yeah, I guess so. Very true. Well, Adam, you didn't know? No. Aren't you, aren't you shocked? Aren't you... Stupefied? Oh, Aren't said, you bamboozled? <laughs> All the notes I probably said. Well, listen, I props to him because I've heard that song for years mm. and uh, I had Mega no props. idea that was Swayze. Why does a radio station never go? And that was "She's Like the Wind" by Patrick Swayze. They never say that. No, they Did don't they say it at all. All right, well, here we go. What's the score now? Oh, no, hang on. I've got one He's more got question. Four. Okay, ready, boys. It's going to be mm-hmm. who's quickest now because you both know the answer. Okay. What type of fruit does baby carry into the party? Watermelon. There you go. Two points for Paul. He knows the film very, very well. Can I rephrase that? It's the world's biggest watermelons because they're not normal sized watermelons. They're fucking humongous watermelons. They are very big. big. They are elongated. They must be a special technical term of watermelon. Elongated. It's true. They're like the ones that Homer buys in Japan. Well, all of the points went to Paul. Thank you. What are you going to do anyone about a, He's not giving anyone a chance today. He's jumping in left, right, and centre. I was ready. I was ready for this shit. There you go. Nobody's well done. Paul in the corner, are they? Can you update the <laughs> scores, Paul? <laughs> yes. So the scores after that round, I'm on five points. Ben is on three points, and Adam's on two points. Yes. Wow. This is where Paul pulls away, eh? Wow, wow. I pull away. <laughs> he pulled pulls away. Paul is always pulling away, and now pull off. Give us a clip from Dirty Dancing so that we may cover the final film from 1987, please. Hell yes. Let's do Dirty Dancing. Hey, my friend, where's my pleasing art? 
Spaghetti arms? Would you give me some tension, please? You're invading my dance space. This is my dance space. That's yours. That's cha-cha. Don't look down. Look right here. your lover boy. Come here, lover boy. And if he doesn't answer? Oh, lover boy. And if he still doesn't answer? I simply say, Right, everyone, today we are doing Dirty Dancing. As we said, this is a film by Emile Ardolini. It is a 1987 film. This is a spoiler episode. We'll go straight into spoilers, no hanging around. So if you haven't seen Dirty Dancing, we'll be spoiling it most terribly for you. So oh, you yes. might want to go watch it and then come back and listen or just get it spoiled. We don't mind. We have no returning actors or directors today, but it's a very welcome, welcome, welcome for the wonderful Patrick Swayze. Welcome to the Film Busters Podcast. R.I.P. R.I.P. indeed. It's mad how long ago he died. He is like the wind now. He literally is like the wind. Through the Film Busters trees. Yeah, we should, would just fall to believe. Mm. <laughs> oh, what? You're not going to carry on the lyrics? You <laughs> bastard. You answered a question, but you won't follow through all the lyrics. Well, I, I did the second one, so I thought, I don't want to... How long are we going to go on with this? Well, listen... <laughs> Adam, would you want to tell the plot of this film? So this film entails um, a girl called Baby going on a holiday to a, okay, I don't know what you'd call it, a camp, I say, like a American centre parks in the in the 90s. I can wait at the 80s, obviously, because it's 87. It's actually 60s. Um, <laughs> is it the 60s? Yes. Okay, oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Fuck me. <laughs> Um, okay, so she goes in the sixties. She's gone on a day with her parents. It's it's a weird camp. I don't I don't really get the camp, but we'll talk about it more in, in the review. Um, and while she's there, she becomes infatuated with a dance instructor, and um, yeah, she falls in love with him. You you spent so much time talking about the camp. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I mean, it's I was trying to describe true. it because there's not really a lot to the plot. It's just uh, describing what the camp is. Very good. Well, that was all good stuff, Adam. Thank you for that. And uh, you want me to give you a little bit of dirty? Uh, oh, yes, please. Backdrop? Okay, so as Paul said, Dirty Dancing was directed by Emil Ardelin, Ardelino and written by Eleanor Bergstein, a lady who says a story. The story was inspired by her own youth and where she, and she learned to dance at house parties. And it's not that uh, Baby was specifically based on her, but rather Johnny was. Anything mm. like that. Um, Patrick Swayze had to really convince Jennifer Grey to star alongside him in this because she had such a terrible experience working with him previously on Red Dawn. Uh, you ever seen that film? I've never seen it. I don't know what happened. No, I film. haven't. Well, she didn't like it for some reason. I, we won't touch that. We, 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 we shan't guess why she had a bad experience. But you can actually see some of the tension and frustration between them on screen in several scenes. That scene where he's running his hand down her arm and she keeps laughing. 
that was real footage. Uh, Swayze was pissed off at her, and the director was like, fuck it, I'm keeping that in, because that, that works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Test audiences hated the film when it was shown to them, so it almost ended up going straight to VHS. But then Conan O'Brien saved it in a weird, weird twist of fate. I don't know how, but he saved it. And the climactic lift scene was not practiced or rehearsed. Swayze had an injured knee, and Grey didn't want to make it worse. So it was a case of one and done. She jumped, he grabbed her, and it worked. And Swayze also tried to cut out the most famous line from the movie. Nobody puts baby in a corner because he hated it and thought it was cringeworthy. But then he saw the film and said, yes, it works. Very good. I like those facts. A bit of knowledge. Yes. Right, Ben, this is your film. So what order do you want us to do our first impressions in? Uh, We'll go classic film busters. Paul adds, no. We'll go Adam, Paul, Ben. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's what we should okay. do. So, just go there. I've watched this film quite a few times when I was younger because my mum and my sister absolutely love this film. And I think nearly every woman does, don't they? If you speak to a woman about this film, they go, oh my God, I love very, Dirty Dancing. Very sexist. Very, very sexist. It is very true, though. Um, I've done that from my research across the last week when I've been saying that we're doing dirty dancing do a poll. <laughs> yeah I've taken it I'll go can I have that stat and they go yes you can have that as a stat everyone wants a Patrick Swayze in their life even I probably would want a Patrick Swayze in my life did you uh, know yeah I, but I haven't watched this film now for probably the best part of 12 years I want to say it was much more when my, we were younger that it was on before kind of you grow older and you do your own thing and watch, you don't have to watch what your mum and sister are watching kind of thing um, and it actually is a lot better than I remembered it to be I had more fun with it than I remembered there is quite a few problematic um, I'd say tones to the film I don't get the whole camp thing I think that whole thing is boring and I don't know why in hell you would want to go on holiday you're obsessed with this camp you've never been to a holiday camp when you was growing up <laughs> not like this not this kind of one. Oh, okay not where you put on a talent show to basically sell your daughter at the end of the film to whatever man's bidding at the same time it's the 60s mate yeah. I know it was very <laughs> that's what I mean it's all that aspect of it always a bit it's like why do girls aspire to this film and want this in their lives when your your dad's literally trying to sell you off to some guy from Harvard because he approves of him it's like your dad picking a boy it's all like a reigned at marriage camp this was the 60s weird. mate I know it relay was. that message it was the style yeah, was, at the time I was saying it hasn't maybe developed in time but yeah it's, there is a good film at the heart of it and it is an enjoyable film um, don't give your score it felt like you were going to give your score oh, I was actually about to give my score <laughs> I'm yeah. about to say, easy I was now. To say does Ben have to say this every time um, yeah <laughs> and yeah it is a good film I'm happy that you brought it back to our attention all fine 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 but yeah, you're, you're very welcome we'll talk about it in more detail as we discuss I guess you're welcome Okay, shall I go? Oh, let's have you going, Paul. Okay, so this film has also been a big part of my life because of how much my sister loved the film. So there you go. You can have that stat, Adam. Mm. (laughs) It it wouldn't be uh, like a surprise to see Dirty Dancing playing at a family pie and me having to attempt to, like a very young me, having to attempt to lift my sister above my head. Amazing. (laughs) I never had to do it like Patrick Swayze and I wasn't even injured. Brilliant. So because of that memory, it's not it's not that I look unkindly on the film. It's just I've always seen it as a very female-facing film. So I just never returned to it for that mm. reason. So even though I feel like I know it back to front, I've just never gone back to and, and watched it in my adult state. But maybe after all these years, after all these years, 
I may have been inceptioned because I had a wonderful time with it. Mm. One thing I did know was it had a banging soundtrack. I think it's undeniably great. Mm. Oh, a yeah. lot of a lot of great songs in this film. But um, and despite what happened between um, Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze in behind the scenes, I think they're so entrancing this film. I love watching them, and the romance really works well for me. And it, I don't think it ever really feels cliche. And that build up to the end dance number is really well earned. And there's, there's so many iconic moments too, whether that just be because of my exposure, I'm not sure, I've seen this film many times. Well, I haven't even seen this many times, I've seen bits of this film many times. And I think that's just paying a part of me thinking like, these are iconic and they just feel timeless. But crucially, what makes this film work for me now is it feels very progressive. It's not no ordinary romance. It all has a lot of a lot to say. So I'm kind of going against what you're saying, Adam. Like Francis Hausman, our lead, I'm calling her Francis. Mm, you are has been pigeonholed by her family expectation. Her father expects her to marry off into into wealth and get a big high class job. Literally crowning her with the name baby, as if she isn't old enough to make any decisions herself. But this film wants to break her out of that old-fashioned mindset. It does. I, 60s, I would give you that, to be fair. Out of the 60s, Adam, wants to get her out of this mindset of yeah, people I'm setting their daughters. Her, that her in particular, I'm talking about the rest of the camp, maybe more in particular yeah, for her sister. Yeah. Well, that's just the, the world that they were living in at the time. I feel yeah. like Johnny is always, like, throughout an utter gentleman, despite what his assumed exterior would lead you to believe. He, he, wants, he wants more for himself, yet the expectations of people around him see him as a bottom feeder, as... Uh, as <coughs> Dr. Gordon would say in Saw. Yes, I always hear that term and I'm like, what is a bottom feeder? <laughs> just like the lowest of the low. And you can like, you can just throw Johnny away because he's, he's, he's not even worth a second thought or worthy of love of baby. I imagine and it's it, like something that sits on the bottom of a boat. I think that's where it comes from. Yeah, yeah, I think something like that. Yeah. And it also tackles like the seedy elite and how the upper class turn like a blind eye to that, the horrible things going on, the sexual misconduct and like a hotel manager who literally calls women like dogs mm. who are not mm. up to his standard. And not forgetting the addition of abortion where there's no question whether Penny w- wanted to keep the baby or not. It's just her decision. She wanted to do it, so they did it. No yeah. matter how traumatic it was, she persisted. And like Dirty Dancing really took me by surprise. And I guess m- my sister was ahead of the game all along. There you go. There you go. Well, look, both, without knowing your scores, you've both uh, upgraded, clearly, from your past yeah. scores. Yes. My thoughts are this. This was a first-time watch for me. Um, uh, Jenny was uh, instrumental in getting it seen. It was her suggestion for a long time that it should be watched, so watch it. I did. And uh, I had a great time at it, too. I thought it was very uh, compelling. Uh, it was very tight. Like, it, it zipped along. Like, at no point did it feel like it was going too slowly. It was going at a really good place, good pace. Um, and it had two very fucking watchable characters at the center of it. I loved uh, Johnny and I loved Baby. Uh, they were great. To- I particularly enjoyed uh, Baby up front, to be honest, because, it, you know, like you're saying, Paul, it was a, a good female lead. It was some female empowerment. And right from the off, when you meet Baby, you're like, well, this is no ordinary teen. This is not their typical teen. This is something else here. And uh, watching her was very compelling. And then when Johnny came along, because of all the stereotypes of what dirty dancing is, when he came on screen, I thought, okay, this is where she now loses her shit and just becomes like a, pu- a pool of water at his feet and doesn't have any backbone of her own. But they're a great match for each other. They're very, very watchable. Mm. Um and particularly because of how different she is from her sister and her family yes. and all those yeah. updates. Her sister is a fucking nightmare. When her sister is singing that song towards the end of the film, I have never <laughs> been so close to, to switching off a fucking telly before. It was horrible. 
And I very much like the world that Johnny inhabits, like the secret world. I like I like that whole thing of her, you know, going up those stairs, like having to step away from the camp and then go up those stairs to like this secret, seductive place. And, mm. you know, it reminded me of like holidays away with my parents. You, you know, when you're 13, 14, 15, around about the time when you haven't had too much experience outside the four walls of your bedroom and then suddenly you go on holiday and there's like a new world there and you can kind of go out by yourself and even go into bars and drink and smoke and there's girls there and stuff. It just reminded me of that. And and mm-hmm. when, when she went into that room, it was like, here it is, like fucking sex and excitement and passion. It was very, it was very interesting. Um, and the funny thing is, it's a very uh, predictable film, despite all of that. Like I, without even seeing Dirty Dancing, I kind of knew that this is how it would play out, but it, it did it very well. That's the thing. It, I can't complain because everything that I thought it would do, it did do, but it did it very, very well. The soundtrack is very strong, as you say. The dance moves are very cool to watch, as it say, and I love the fact that you've got all this generational shit at play of mm. a film in the 80s set in the 60s about a real-life experience of a woman from the 40s, probably, or 50s, I don't know. Uh, I liked all the dynamic of the classes and the generations. And um, yes, it is a female empowerment film. Uh, very much a female empowerment film. Certainly the most fem- female empowerment of films that we have covered in 1987. Um, the only thing that I kind of disagree uh, with, with, with perhaps you, Paul, is the ending because that felt too fantastical for me. It kind of... I don't feel that it warranted or justified that ending because everyone was so like everyone was in their own realm they were all like like you say generationally different this is what i expect for my daughter this is what i expect for my hotel and whatnot and then fucking johnny just walks in and everyone's like let's all dance it turned into like a classic musical <laughs> where suddenly everyone knows the moves and shit and there's enough space no. for everyone to move but you went for that grease kind of ending didn't it, it did i went with the heart of it and i was like okay you you got me it's cool fine I'm, I'm with you, baby, and Johnny. It's like love wins over everything and everyone's happy because everyone's in love. Love yeah. love does enter through the nose. I think I think that whole ending was the embodiment of her father approving. Yeah, and, and I liked that. I got that. The thing that was cool about that ending was like, by the way, as a side note. Let's Did you not... see that plot twist coming? Uh, which plot twist? That it wasn't um, Johnny who... Yes, we knew that. I tell you that immediately, Adam. What do you mean? Well, no, but I mean with the dad finding it out, like the whole it was the sister's boy, the, other, the sister's boyfriend. Did it? Well, that wasn't really a twist. That was just the dad didn't know, and then he, yeah. Yeah. we knew. Yeah. We fucking like, knew. We knew it was happened. Robbie from as soon as she said it. Like as soon as we found out she was pregnant, she said it was Robbie. Well, I'll tell you. So I've, I've got some beats. I've got some beats that I'd like to talk about. Let's let's deal with the elephant in the room up front and centre. So the only thing I really knew about this film, outside of they're dancing a lot in it, is that Johnny is a grown man. Mm-hmm. And baby is a underage girl. My understanding coming into this film was that she was fifteen. How old was she? Let's clarify this. Oh, I'm not too sure actually. I never thought she was that young. I mean, an actress, she's older because she was been in Ferris Bueller before. Of though. course, the actress is is older. Yes. Why well, just um, assume she was eighteen? I feel like there's a lot of modern day snobbishness about the fact that they hooked up and that it, oh, it's actually he's a predator and it's a really toxic relationship. But it's not presented in such a way. I think it's all about the context of the film. It never at any point felt like a older man going preying on a younger girl. But but at the same time, if she was 15, she was fucking 15. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Do they ever actually say her age? No, so that, no. that's how they get away with it, probably. Yeah, I think that's it's it's like it is like the Greece thing where you just see them as you see them as kids, obviously, because they're treated like kids. But you see them as like quite 
maybe eight. I would say eighteen. Yeah, okay. Well, says. I mean, it's it's never been confirmed. Just for a very quick Google, but everyone largely seems to say that she's just eighteen, mm-hmm. and Johnny's twenty-four. So that's okay. Well, that's dealt that's with that elephant in the room. Fine. That's, that's dealt with fine. It. <laughs> that's fine. So away they were. So that they can have as much sex as they choose. <laughs> But the a really important thing, which I love, this scene where they finally do have sex, which you don't actually see. They actually, there's actually a scene that was removed from this that didn't play well in um, test screenings, where Baby actually got naked. And they yeah, I can understand it. that. And I'm so glad they didn't put it in. Yes, yeah. that would have been a, a tad exploitative. What I love is this whole when they're just before it happens, they're actually doing the dirty dancing, and it's like this is their form of sex. Yeah, I've really just, enjoyed that. Okay. The, the impl- implying it kind of just works. You don't need to actually see it. Yeah, but that's what I mean. The, the dirty dancing that was happening before they actually had sex, I feel like that was like the, is, is the, the passion. What is out. the dirty dancing? Can you tell me? The dirty dancing is just... What did they say? They did say some, it was a particular thing. Baby said, what is that? And she said, I did write it down. He didn't it say it's mix. dirty dancing, baby. No, 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 no. They, they never said it was dirty dancing. They said it was a mix of some dance move. Where is it? The pachanga and the bit where the bit where they were crawling on the floor together. That was the sexiest stuff. Yes. When they were both crawling together, that worked very well. It well, was that, a, it was a very sexy film. I got to say, very yes. sexy. Yeah, that's well. That felt like very early stages of a relationship, like teasing each other. That you're very you're comfortable in each other's company, and mm. you know you can just be sexual in front of each other. And that was a very good scene. I do like that scene as well. Yes. I you know uh, Baby looks amazing in that salmon salmon like vest and the, the jean shorts. You like a bit of that 80s look, eh? Yeah, it's a good that look. It's a good look. It's a, fi- it's a fine look. Um, you said that Baby uh, didn't, uh, she got naked in the sex scene, but I know she doesn't get naked, but the scene where they're in the pond, uh, her top is very see-through, oh, right, yeah, sir. Yeah, very yeah, see-through. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, I wasn't complaining. This is quite... I mean, this is uh, quite a... What is the age rate on this film? It's a 12. It's a 12. Yeah. It's, it's a bit mental that that's it's a 12. It's very prom- promiscuous, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is... Consi- like, but, like, look at it this way. This is what... I, it kept me in mind of this the whole time. It just made me think of, like, early teenage years holidays when you go away and you're sexually mm. liberated a bit more. Like, I can imagine... Mm. Well, I don't know. How old was your sister when she was first watching this film, Paul? Oh, she was young. Probably, like... T- 12, 13. Right, so right at that age when yeah. pub- puberty is hitting and they're mm. starting to think about their bodies and who they're attracted to yeah. and whatnot, a film like this comes along, I can totally see it be like, fucking yes, that's the not only kind of the feelings that I'm having at the moment, but that's, that's what, what I, I want to experience. Life. Yes. Mm. Mm. And Swayze is a good-looking man. He's a fine, mm. good-looking man, fr- isn't he's he? A, he's also... Uh, which Not even just, like, good-looking, he's also got the arrogance, but it works in such a way... Just yeah, a cool guy. It is true. Like what what Paul said, and what you say there is true. He has he's a bit like you, Adam, although a bit more of a polished version of of you. In that, <laughs> he, that. he has a certain. Uh, it's true. Look, this is this is me comparing dear Adam to Patrick Swayze. He has a certain arrogance to him to the point where when he walks in a room, you look at him and you go, "I think I know what you're about, mate." But then, mm. like Paul said. He doesn't do anything indecent. He's a really no. nice guy. He's a good yeah. fucking guy. You you want to hate him, but you can't because he's actually just quite cool at the end of it. And that is you, Adam, in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. True. I love that. I love that message of like, don't judge it, judge a book by its cover. And it's yeah. like, 
think yes. he is. He's quite, the, the he best quite thing guy. about this film is watching the dad kind of just realise that he's a bit of a twat. Well, let me let me just and say not to now, underestimate his daughter. Let me just say now, I might as well put it out there. I cried at the end. Oh, Aww. did you? Wow, that what, got you what, easy. What part then, of the didn't ending? He? The, he lifts so her up when <laughs> I, I <laughs> cried. If you when cried the, when he lifted her up. The whole ending. Oh, you were in the floods. whole ending, you and then especially floods. when the dad said, "You look wonderful up there." Yeah, oh, that was nice. Yes, I know, but see, I, it, the eyes. film had kind of lost me a little bit in that finale because it was too fantastical. That's what I mean. Like, can we just? No. I was going to say, can we talk about the line? Because Nobody when put a baby it, in the corner, when he said it, I don't know why, but it's one of those lines. It's like you hear it so much that when he actually said it, it felt like a whole different film had just happened in that one moment. It felt so forced, I think, as well. Do you know why? Because I feel like people have put so much emphasis on that line. You expect it to be a bigger moment than it is. And it's not really that big of a moment. No. It's a very passing comment. And also, she she's in a, like, I know she's in a tiny corner. It would have been better if he said, nobody puts puts baby on the sidelines. Mm. Or by the pillar. <laughs> by the sidelines. Yeah, but just well, she's on the side. Nobody put, pushes baby to the side or something like that, you know? It's just the metaphor for what her dad's doing, isn't it? Pushing her, pigeonhole her into yeah. a life she doesn't want to live. And yes, I, I think it's a line that works. It works for me. Well, it works because it's come become sort of classic. Mm. Like you know, I agree. It just though, felt very agree. jarring in some ways. Though. I agree that it just feels like oh, it's it's there and it's gone. It's like yeah. it's not a mass, a massive build up to it. It just happens, and it's, I, he's taken her and taken to the to the stage. I think <laughs> it's more what it represents in the context of the film for that young girl at that moment, where essentially her knight in shining armor steps in and is like, "No, fuck you! You you don't overwrite what she's about. You don't crush her spirit. Come on, baby, let's go up there, show the world what you can do." It's more that it's like yeah. what it represents rather than the words. Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, Swayze wanted to say that really. He didn't a more want to impactful, say that. a more impactful line was when he's up on stage and said, "This she taught me to be the person I want to be," like talk, saying how special she is, and yeah. she's more than just what her father wants her to be. She, she wants to be wind. in the Peace Corps. She does. Why they kept banging on about the Peace Corps? I couldn't understand. Because it's trying to prove that she's a good girl and like her heart's in the right place. Remind Probably, me what the Peace Corps is. I've forgotten. It's just like you go away and you volunteer in countries. Yeah, like, volunteering. They need. Yeah. yeah. It's like a bit like I'd say it's like the equivalent of like probably going to work for like UNICEF the these days. Yeah, oh, like right. building okay. shelters and stuff, I guess. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. more like you go to work for like Water Aid or like UNICEF, and you go out to countries and you help people. Oh, yeah, well, fair mm. enough. Well, I, I mean, th that's what I said. I liked her from the off the way she she came along. I felt sorry for her in that environment where it's like it was like a Butlins holiday camp, right? Yeah, that's what it was. Like, but it was a very mountains. very rich man's. Butlins that oh, are literally most certainly yeah horrible seedy upper class people running also come on yes. guys would you if you were parents would you take your kids to a holiday camp like that and you know oh we got we'd spend a whole week there it's great but on the last night you spend your last night to ever watching a talent show of everyone else's kid what they've done for that fucking week uh, i know that talent show was uh pretty fucking late. bad if someone went oh that's a really nice <laughs> oh it looks quite nice but on the last night you have to see it through a talent show that every kid has done something for that week yeah. <laughs> Holiday like, parts. That's not how shit. it works. At holiday parts, just things happen every different day of the week. So yeah. it no, just but so would, it was it was meant to happen. It was like you can't leave tonight. There's the big show. Everyone stays for the big show. People come in for it. I know. I can't imagine anyone travelling in for that piece of shit. I've got to know. <laughs> but the thing that, I, that baffled me is like the whole camp 
at least what we saw in the film, was all about fucking dancing. And it wasn't. But all we saw was dancing. And like yeah, everywhere. Because... Swayze's walking into a room and he's dancing with all the ladies. He's like, what's going on? Like, people just want to eat breakfast and he's picking them up and dancing with them. Like, you got, show you got some th- other stuff. You've got to think, though, this is the 60s and that was like massive in the 60s, just like dancing and grooving out. And like, what else did you really have to do? Now, did you get hot under the collar when he was, uh, when she first goes into the party and he's doing his dancing and the hips are going crazy? Oh, he is humping. He's, I mean, I mean, this generally speaking as a dance move, like what is it on a primal level that puts, incorporates that into dance moves? Is it like we're not having sex, but essentially we are? It is like, do you know when you, like you go to clubs? That is more or less what you're doing when you just meet meeting girls in clubs. You're just in that kind of grinding kind of dance moves, and this is just like a better version of that. I can tell you, I have never on a dance floor. I've danced many dances. I have never. You never grind. done the grind. No, because whenever you see people grinding, I look at them and think, "What a dickhead!" In a movie, Swayze. Oh yeah, perfect, wonderful, but. The people I see grinding ain't fucking Patrick Swayze. They're chavs. No, they are exactly, chavs. Yes. And it's like, oh, I, I you agree. sickening human being. Get away, get away. <laughs> I bet Adam Adam's grinded before, I bet. I've grinded on Paul before. I bet you <laughs> Yeah, have. he probably has. I, I, I love as well when he he beckons her over and he wants to, to do a little dirty dance with him and she's got no rhythm. <laughs> She's like so yeah. out of it. I'm like, oh, poor, poor baby. No, she does a fair attempt, though, eh? She Considering right, she's only just she, rocked up. Yeah, but she's loving it. This is where she's like, oh yes, I'm in my element right here. Yes, I mm. like, I like the the secret nature of her going away and doing that and coming away like yeah. that sort of forbidden, hidden love things that people can't know about. You know, it's a, a very young teenage mindset. Absolutely, that is what you're at that age, at teenage age. This is where you're breaking away from your parents and trying to do your own thing. Yeah, well, I did it when I was a teenager. This is just another version of that, and like this yes, is what you yeah. do in the sixties. That's what you do in the sixties. And my my, that is that is some stuff for the sixties because, good lord, we know they were doing some shady shit in the sixties. So to rebel and be like that, oof, my oof, my. oof. I admire them both. But um, the thing that is probably unrealistic, but. I went with it because of the nature of the film is I can't remember her name um, Swayze's dance partner Penny who, who, Penny, who needs the abortion mm-hmm. um, their first instinct isn't to go with any other person who is a professional dancer it's to go with baby why? Uh, they said that um, no one else was available they said Ow. that while, she, while they were picking her. They All said them she, people that were in the club that night or the, the house that night when she walked in that were dancing away none of them could have done it they have to go with the one girl who has no No, but I don't think experience. any of them were actually professional dancers. They were just... The entertainment crew was just a, a handful of people. Yeah, but all them people that were gyrating in that house and at club, there was a fair few dancers going in there. Amateur <laughs> or not, right? Baby didn't have a clue. Well, I, I like they picked her. Well, they picked <laughs> Otherwise, the wouldn't work. I know, the film wouldn't work, for sure. <laughs> and then they did plenty of good training. Now, what was your favourite uh, training moment? Oh mate, it's uh, there's some iconic training moments. Like the the tickling of the arm is iconic. The bit in the lake is the best. I like the bit of the Yoda training when she's on the branch and he's like trying mm. to use the force to not the branch. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Yoda, trunk. you would t- actually <laughs> compare that to Yoda. I know why you're saying it, but <laughs> apparently Patrick Swayze he wanted to do all his own stuff, and he was when he was balancing on that tree branch, he actually busted his knee and had to get it drained. 
Yeah, that's right. He he. That's why he was so wounded at the end for that finale, that jump. Mm. That's why they only did it the one fucking time. Can you imagine the pressure? Oh, like we can only we've only got one shot at this. More ways than one. Pressure on his knee. Pressure on him. No. Oh. <laughs> so he wasn't as nimble as Johnny was, was he? If he's fucking mm. up on a on a branch. Very and also, true. don't be walking around without your, your shoes on in the forest. You, you know, like, I've seen far too many horror stories. Even a little <laughs> shot of glass. <laughs> if you take your socks off, ugh, you do that at the beach, fine. In the forest? Mm, very true. Would you take I your socks like- off in the forest? No, too many sharp things. You step on the thorns. Yeah, oh, ooh, spiders. Spiders in that branch. They didn't show you the underside of that nest. They'll be laying their eggs in the wound. Oh, Christ. It would happen. <laughs> they would lay it in his fluid around his knee. Oh, very much. Can you imagine? We're going to need to operate on you, Mr. Swayze. You fucked your knee up, and they cut in, make an incision below the kneecap, and oh. out floods spiders. Yuck. Can you imagine hidden footage of that leaking on the internet years later? And it's like, <laughs> oh, shit. Spiders in his knee. Could you think of anything worse? I could not. That's why Johnny was such a good dancer. He was trying to shake the uh, spiders out of his knees. That was just him shaking spiders out. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) oi, boys, next time you go on a dance floor, just imagine you've got spiders in your knees and you've got to shake them out. Do that move and you're dancing. That's it. That's more like a Blues Brothers kind of move when they're (laughs) doing the twist and shout. (laughs) That that lift, as you say, Adam, that lift in the lake is very, very good and iconic. Yeah. That is what my sister always wanted me to do to her. It is impossible. I can't do it. I haven't got the upper body strength for I that. I think it's all about core and upper body. It's, yeah. it's core and, and muscles in the arms. And uh, yes, it has and to be the right angle, right? That balance, mate. That balance. You'll be throwing her over your shoulders. Oh. <laughs> I know. It's like, And you could hurt yourself mm-hmm. doing the catch too much. Like, it could fuck up your shoulder blade. Ugh. Yeah, she's got to come in at the right speed as well. You've got to have enough to get you up, but not to go over your head. Indeed, I, I believe all this all this training stuff though feels so believable to me. Yeah, like it's they, they, yeah. Baby looks like she's having a great time. Like just laugh at like the whole armpit thing. I, I know you said it's probably, probably real that she's laughing and stuff, but mm. it felt very real and realistic. It is very eighties though. It's, it is kind of like montage. They've seen Rocky do it. They've seen everyone else do it. By the <laughs> yeah, it was, like, a, it, was a, it was a refreshing <laughs> montage. In, instead of yeah. a training montage for a fight or something like that, yeah. we're getting a training montage for a dance between two people. Mm. Mm. And then they, they do the dance halfway through the film, which I was uh, stunned by. I thought we were building up to that. And then it happens halfway through. Yeah. And I was like, oh, where do we but go she from here? Do the jump. Yeah, yeah. And she fails the lift. She does. Yeah, she puts she it does that little thumb dance instead. <laughs> yeah, I know. What's she thinking, man? Think of all the training you've done. You're not going to get away with that stupid move. Do you know what that reminds me of? What, uh, what's her name? Ashley Simpson who was caught lip syncing on Saturday Night Live. Her lip sync track fucked up. Oh, and shit. she couldn't... She couldn't get away with it so she just started hopping around on stage trying to cover up by dancing really stupidly but oh it's like God. no you've just been outed so you, you're lip syncing and oh. uh, your hoppy dance is horrendous that's so cringe <laughs> yeah so cringe so what do you so obviously Jennifer has been in Ferris Bueller and that's why you always think of her as I think of her as the annoying sister in Ferris Bueller yeah so I didn't even realise that was her so watching this film it's like she just kind of irritated me because she irritates me a bit in first Bueller. I mean, obviously, she is meant to irritate you in first Bueller. Oh, she so irritated like, you in this? No, at first of it, I just that's how I see her. That's the only film I really know her in. So mm. watching this, I'm like, I know you from that. Do you want to know um, why that's the only film you really know her from? It's, it's a good film. 
No. So this is a wild fucking story that I didn't realize until afterwards. So immediately following the release of this film, she was meant oh, to yeah, start know this. promoting yeah. it. This is crazy shit. Mm. She was going out with Matthew Broderick at the time. Okay. And they, uh, they were a couple and they were in Ireland and they were, he was driving a car and they were driving around and then they stopped at a gas station, spoke to a policeman who told them, because the weather was bad, you want to go take this route rather than this other route. But they didn't listen and they carried on driving and Matthew Broderick was going down a country lane and he was driving in the middle of both lanes and they hit a car coming around the corner and in the car was a 68 year old widow and her disabled widow and her daughter and they killed them both in the car and jennifer gray was like i can't reconcile being the face of this huge movie that's taking the world by storm having been a part of this terrible horrendous thing so she just bowed out from acting pretty much Mm. i did look at her i did look at her on like letterbox and there is like a she hasn't done anything she didn't do anything until like 20 years ago i want to say like she did have like a 20 year gap almost yeah. in her career but That's i, I always thought with dirty dancing mm. is it was it was always a quite a cheap film they made it didn't have a massive budget and it then kind of did well because people loved it like it took a while for this the things to build up with it it wasn't released as a massive film I mean, it's more than washed its face, man. It would have made big bucks, yeah, right? It made big bucks, but I think it made. I thought it was more of like a thing over time. Like it wasn't. The studio didn't really give it a lot of money. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's fucking cult now, mate. Everyone like. Oh yeah. Constantly secret cinemas of Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing oh, is one yeah. of those films that they were playing probably in COVID times in the cinema. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, you're gonna get you're gonna get people in. Yeah. Also, it does have a fantastic soundtrack, like you said, Paul. Like it does. Really good soundtrack for a. I mean, obviously, it's not hard to make a when you're just using people's songs, but yeah. Everything that like the way that they did the costumes for those fucking people to make up the style, the way it was shot, soundtrack. It was eighties in the the best way possible, and uh, yeah, very progressive for its time. It was uh, a big hit for me, and also I liked seeing. Newman in a very early role. Yes. Very, oh, yeah. very nice to see him in that. <laughs> I kept waiting for him to do his... Uh, 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 yes, uh, yes, uh, uh. yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So this is obviously... Before, when, when was Seinfeld? This is before Seinfeld and Jurassic Park. Seinfeld was... 90? 90? 90? Oh, 91. So, so three years later then. Yeah, yeah. And then on he went... Uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh, uh. Do you know what I fucking hated? <laughs> what did you hate? Who I hated? Who? The girl, Neil, the sister. Neil, the uh, the I think he was was he the grandson or the uh, nephew? Oh, the son, the of the, the of guy the running the camp. Yeah, kind uh, of thing. Yeah, he was disgusting. He's the man. one who's fucking. Are we going to do this dance today? Yeah, covering up Robbie's fucking sexual misconduct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gross, fucking disgusting man. Exactly. And Robbie himself as well. He just deserved to bite the bullet (laughs) yeah do you know what I was yeah he did I know nobody died in this film unfortunately they took a different angle when uh, she had a bad experience with the abortion and then uh, baby went to get her dad and her dad came in the night up there Mm. I was like this is really interesting because here he is now this very respectable man and now he's going to have to get involved in this secretive thing and it's going to show what a decent human being he is that he does it and Mm. doesn't say anything but 
I, I mean, I get why they did it, but then they went the other way, and he, and then after that, he was like, "No, no, no, don't! You're never going to hang around with those people again. You hear me? Never, never again." And I was like, "Oh man, that's a shame," because I kind of wanted you to be the cool dad. You always struck me that mm. way up mm. to that point, and then you spun it. But then you wouldn't get the great generational payoff at the end, where it's like, "Daddy, you got to accept this is who I am now. I'm still your little girl, but I'm going out into the world with Johnny." Even though uh, the next day they were going back home and their holiday romance would have been over, you know it fucking would. That's yeah. how them holiday romances work, boy. Yeah. Did it, what I did like about that, though, I know I know it's very like he's immediately disappointed and doesn't want to hang around, but she goes back, I think, at the day or a couple of days later, and it's, it's very slightly dropped, but they say, oh, your dad's just been here. So he does care to come back and make sure she's okay. Oh, interesting. That, that passed me yeah. by. That's good. Yeah. yeah. He's like, he's yeah. doing it off his own back to come and make sure she's he, okay. Because she was like, your dad is a really good guy. I wish mom was like that kind of thing. Yeah. I think it's more that she expects more for a daughter. That's just the thing of being a father, isn't it? Yeah. You always want the best, but his best was not any good because she he wanted her to be of some disgusting man who covers up sexual misconduct yeah but traditional values it's like it's all surface it's all about how people appear on the surface and yeah, yeah. classism like baby and penny uh johnny and penny wouldn't have had very good parental upbringings etc mm. mm. he was essentially a gigolo they were paying him i know now was he having sex with the women? He was, wasn't he? Yes, because you see the the next day after Johnny rejected that um, that wife, he was she was having sex with uh, Robbie. With the next Robbie, day. that's right. Yes, yeah. Ugh, repugnant. Ugh. He was basically a prostitute, wasn't he? Yeah, gigolo. He was, he was a, a mimbo. But that's what he didn't like. He fell into it. It was like let's fall in. Yeah, I, I thought that was a Seinfeld reference. Mm. Um, he used it to his advantage, even though he hated, he kind of hated himself for it, but no one else yeah. thought yeah. of him as a human being. They just saw him as something to ride and see, move on. It kept walking the line when he was talking like that about, God, they, they just saw me as a piece of meat and all that stuff. It kept walking the line of like, this is slightly ridiculous. Like, yeah. are we really meant to be feeling for you? But at the same time, it never actually went into that line of me going, no, I don't care, this is stupid. I, th- I was I like, I, it, I believe you. I believe you. I think it's because... The, all these people are such upper class you can just imagine they're just using these these young boys for whatever means they want to yeah. just like the just like the uh, the staff at the hotel just using the the girls that came to stay that was Epstein's island that they were hosting yes that, that. it very much was yes and pretty much Barack Obama was on the flight logs people <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I mean I mean it was cool it, I, I had a great time with it. I, like, I, I was while I was watching it, I was like, I need to find the the big negative in this that I can exploit and talk about to be like, yeah, this is why it's very problematic and whatnot. Mm. But it isn't. It's, it's aged very fucking well. I think it's aged very well. I don't. I can't see it being problematic in any sense. Where's the problematic stuff? I, I know, but like, isn't it weird that before seeing it, the thing that I was aware of was it's an older older man with a young girl, but. I don't Obviously see, it, but not. that's that's people assuming that the ages of the people. I mm. where was the age of the people? Just because of the they were clearly children being brought along by their parents, that doesn't mean they have to be like fifteen. No, I know, I know. When I was eighteen year olds, my parents still still told me what to do. Yeah, I left home at eighteen, so there was uh, no way they could. Oh, <laughs> <Aww. laughs> made sure of it. I ran away. What I did love, I, I I know it's uh, 
one you thought was a little fantasy but the ending where they thought that everyone liked to be um quite conservative with all their dancing and stuff and as soon as baby and johnny are dancing and everyone else in the in the hall of dancing as well everyone's loving it mate they oh, all stand yeah. up you get that you get that old lady who throws her mink scarf off and starts dancing <laughs> <laughs> and you get the uh that uh, the guy the, the conductor who's who's dancing as well and then the, the, oh the, uh, oh speaking of speaking yeah, of go on didn't you think when you saw him or at least i did when that when that man stood up there in front of that mm. mic with the red curtains behind him i was like mm. this is the fucking roadhouse from twin peaks the return <laughs> i had a feeling you were gonna say that <laughs> it's like the, the resemblance to the man yeah, is uncanny yeah. and i was like fuck yeah. i wonder if lynch saw this and was like you know it's lynch's favorite film he just yeah. couldn't get over the dream state that she was actually in none of this happened <laughs> yeah none she of was this just happened. dreaming the first day she saw patrick swayze and then she had a big sleep Oh shit! And it was all just a wet dream. <laughs> if the film That's why ended, she was in the lake if the for film so long. ended with a sudden cut to her close up with all her makeup off in a bright white room, like panicked, and then it cuts to credits. <gasps> that would make this film. Oh, if they did <laughs> just that, like a horror if, film, if someone dead. had the balls to do that, can you imagine a mainstream audience absorbing hour forty of pure? Typical cinema that everyone enjoys, and then in the final ten seconds, you throw something so wildly curveball to them, and then cut to credits. It would blow people's minds. I would wow. love that jarring reaction. You would know, wouldn't, wouldn't know what to think. <laughs> it's like, oh, what? I had a great time, but did it? Did it really happen? Did it happen? <laughs> um, I did think that was a great moment as well when um, the dad goes to give Robbie the check as well. I'm so, that was his comeuppance right there. Oh, yeah, that was nice. It's I like, was glad, fuck yeah. you. Fuck but you. I'm Robbie's a bit of a stupid idiot, man, to be just like, oh, yeah, I'm, thanks for being so cool about it. It's like, you, why? if you're not sure, don't even assume that someone knows that about you. Just play play it dumb. I know. He just thought he was, he was like, in the back pocket of all these upper-class people. Yeah, he just yeah. outed himself like that. He's like, yeah. oh, you damn fool, Robbie. You yeah. damn fool. You idiots. You a damn fool. Um... <laughs> Uh, what here we go what if you care to share is your baby going up the steps to the dancing club moment from your own personal lives my most like iconic moment from being a I was probably about 18 at this time this story involves Mark one of our friends who he worked with and he um Basically, you know how a bit of a, a swindler he is. Yes. We were all up in the in the bar in the in the BBC Club one one night, and he was like, "Oh, I got this this girl who whose parents are away. They've got a house on Harley Street, <laughs> right? Right. And it, and we we're like, okay, let's go down there. It was a fuck off mansion that had a swimming pool, a sauna, and everything. And w- and it was like in it, this the only experience, thing I can relate it to is like a party in an in American f- film. Oh yeah, just like the whole house is just filled with people, and it's just uh, 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 like utterly crazy. And we were off our faces in a sauna. Good lord! <laughs> like, with with all your clothes on. <laughs> yeah, and then just like all in the swimming pool. We didn't. Even, no one had any swimming costumes. We were just all playing volleyball, and we were all just drunk. I don't know how anyone like didn't die that night. Jesus, it was just so crazy. Fucking hell. Yeah, that was a great night. It's a very good memory of mine. Wow. 
Calaporta is where I used to stay in Menorca, and uh, they were. The, it put me in mind of all of that stuff because it used to be like I, I used to go to an all boys school. Don't forget, I went mm. to an all boy. I went to a mixed primary school, but an all boys school, and my life consisted of my friends at school and then going home. My friends' school and going home. Right, so th- there's just boys, 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 and then suddenly you're going on holiday to these resorts where there's these other girls that are my age and it's like oh shit you're gonna my parents are like yeah yeah off you go see you later and i'm like what i can just go anywhere and with these girls and stuff it was uh wild times i very much uh look back on all that stuff reminiscing very very fondly and then lanzarotti at 14 15 they were the game that was the closest to this whole dirty dancing sort of thing because that Mm. was like at that age you can go out entirely yourself and just get drunk as fuck and do whatever you want this is the thing i went to a mixed secondary school so probably those moments you're doing that at home in the uk kind of anyway but you go to parties and stuff like that and you're hanging around with those people all the time at home so you are, you are a big uh, social animal anyway, Adam. That's the that's the thing. Yeah. I was don't, I don't forget people. No, no, but I was an only child, and when you're an only child, you don't seek the company of others as much. You have a very small knit. You're not an only child, knit. are you? Well, I've got half brothers and sisters, but I didn't grow up with any of them. They all they all oh, live in okay. another part of the country. Like as far as I was concerned, I was raised as a child, as a, as a child by myself. So I, I had to live in my own imagination and with fucking films all the time. So. Mm. It was the friends that I had at school, and that was it. I wasn't going out to parties and shit. That wasn't a thing for me, really. I never really wanted to do that sort of thing. Until girls came in the mix, and then that was all I wanted to do, of course. Of course, of course. We all lost our mind when uh, my secondary school was all boys' school, Catholic, and then we hit sixth form, and our sixth form decided they were going to let a small amount of girls come and join those poor and women man we lost the, everyone lost their mind like friendships long-standing friendships were like burnt to the ground people were betraying <laughs> one another there was oh cliques and gangs boys lose their fucking poor, minds when women girls, come to the man mix. hey the girls knew what they were doing they they were enjoying yeah, it. I know, they, but... they had control of me they, <laughs> they burnt it all to the ground they burnt it they came in and were would like, you ever we're send your kids to a, oh, an all single set school now knowing that you went to one I mean, I don't really have anything as a comparison. I, I don't feel like I'm deficient because I went to an all-boys school. Um, I feel like I'm deficient because I went to a Catholic fucking school, but everyone who's ever been to a Catholic okay. school has the same shit. Okay. Anyway, mm. anyway, that, that, that's a, a, an aside. Let me uh, bring it right back away from all of that distraction to tell you and the world that news has just come in that Paddington 3 will begin filming before the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> terrible, terrible news. What a sad and it dark does. day. Of course it's going to get made. They got, they made so much money. <sighs> well, there you go. It's the money machine. Hey, uh, just to, just maybe to, I don't know, if you have some other points on Dirty Dancing, fine, but maybe to like just kind of bring an end to this discussion, I can throw a couple of questions at you boys about 1987 as a whole. Okay. All right. So now having watched four films from 1987 each, which uh what would you say i should have told you this in advance but just go off the cuff out of all the four films what scene or moment would you say most defines 1987 out of these four films the end credits to predator (laughs) wow he was straight in there that's a good call that's a good call that is a very 80s thing definitely what about you paul oh that is you pulled a good one out adam um, oh, 
You know what I'm going to say? While you have go a on. think, I'm going to go, go the on. complete opposite of what Adam said. I'm going to say the opening credits to Hard Ticket to Hawaii because even though it was B-movie budget, it felt so distinctly 80s with that fucking cool soundtrack at the time. I was like, wow, you've got no budget and you're making this seem cool as fuck. But the rest of the film was so downhill from there. But yeah, it represented yeah. the 80s in a way. Yeah. I'd say, I say it'd have to be... For majority of our film, it has to be the iconic handshake from Predator. Just macho. Macho, macho, macho. Macho well, machismo. On that note, there was still muscles galore in this. The, that's still on par with the Dirty Dancing lift, though. Yes. As, like, yeah. moments, Special like, actual that. second of a film. Like, yeah. bam. Like, you gif it up almost. Mm-hmm. Or gif it up if you're Ben. Yes. And... Uh, what about who has been your favourite character out of the four films? Single character. I think I'm going to give a special mention. In fact, this is exactly who it is, but accordingly, I don't know the character name, so I'm just about to check. My favourite character from 1987, the films we've done, goes to Nancy Allen, who played Lewis, Robocop's partner because of the fact that there was as discussed no bullshit force romantic relationship she was supportive of him she worked alongside him as an equal and she represented that cool kick-ass female empowerment movement that was hopefully taking off in the 80s as well Mm -hmm. i I would just say baby from dirty dancing for that exact same reason well very good well, I'm gonna have to give it to Predator. I'm gonna have to give it to Dutch then. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were gonna go macho. Uh, and last question for 1987: your favourite line from these four movies? Uh, I was gonna say something from Predator because I think it's the most quotable. But I know I, I, keep, I, I want it, I, I keep going to that, but I don't know whether it's I should choose one. Like you there. pushing too many pencils. <laughs> well I'm going I, I'm going to I'm going to lay my cards on the table I am going for Predator and mine's going to be Dylan you son yes, of a bitch that's what I kept going back it's, to it's then. unforgettable <laughs> unforgettable I was like I can't just keep like picks like from Predator but yes I, I totally agree I totally agree there you go oh pushing too many pencils yeah is that yours Adam you've been pushing yeah, too many pencils <laughs> you did say it in the episode so clearly it left its mark on you <laughs> But there you go, all Predator, all Predator quotes. All right, if you had to go back and watch one, if you had to take one film away of you from it, like you're going to Desert Island, you've got four the four films laying in front of you, you're taking one of them with you to the island, what are you taking? Well, we, shouldn't we answer that after we give our ratings out of 10? Okay, I guess we should then, should we do that? Yeah, let's give our ratings out of 10 and then what it we It sounds take. very weird to be summing up the year before we've summed up this film. I know, yes, well, very, very there true. we go. Well, we're now about to sum up the ben film. Ben got very excited about his new idea. All right, so in conclusion, boys, well, do it in the order. Adam first. <clears throat> um, so I used to have this film as a 6 out of 10. That was kind of a staple 6 out of 10 holder thing, uh, but it, it's a 7 out of 10 now. A 7 think, out of 10. I don't think I'd look back on it as fondly over time but I definitely enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would do you find um, sometimes when you're re-watching a film that when you watch it you're kinder to it because you know we're going to talk about it mm, um, I don't think so I think I'd experience exactly how I would experience it without doing a podcast like I do definitely yeah. interrogate the film a little bit more because I know we're going to talk about it so yeah, I look maybe, into it maybe. deeper than I feel a little like bit. 
after the fact, I look back on it more fondly. Yes. Yeah, after we've done the podcast, that's a different like, story. You've got the yeah. whole association that comes with it. That's yeah. what I like the most. I enjoy but. having the package after we've yeah. done the film. Like, we've we've set something in history of film busters. Yeah. Okay, um, Paul. Um, so, I, I had this as a seven as well when I first watched this, but because I'd... I'd never revisit it again, and I I never thought it was anything. But I've got to say that I absolutely loved watching it this time, and I had an absolutely amazing time. Did you have the time and of your life? I had almost the time of my life. I'm going to say almost because it, it's a 9 out of 10, not a 10 out of 10. Ooh, <laughs> look at that. That's a high <laughs> one. Paul's coming out with these surprise little bands. I, like, I was not expecting that from you this week. That's I a know. big boy. That is a I big thought boy. you were really going to go from a 6 it. to a 7 kind of or maybe an 8. Nah, I really, really enjoyed it. Paul's running the full gamut this year. He's Did you watch him, Zoe? A 9, an 8, a 7. I watched it on my own and Zoe okay. was pissed that I didn't watch it with her. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, that's amazing and that's super cool. Uh, mine is, as a first-time watch, for the longest time, I was like, I feel like this is good, but what's going to make it great for me? What's going to make it great for me? Because, as you know, a great makes it an eight. Mm. And uh, it was only after the film, and when the film had ended, despite that ending that I wasn't happy with, I was like, huh, okay, so it is a seven. But then I gave it a little, I let it sit with me, and I'm like, no, because I can't really find things to fault with it apart from that ending the only things that stop it from being a perfect film for me is that that certain magic which i don't know what that connects with me personally like there's mm. nothing that i can say it should have done this for what it was it was great but these films aren't typically generally for me but it was excellent for what it did so for me it is an eight out of ten which Wonderful. is uh, more than a, a good score and that that gives us a nice lovely average of eight on the nose and um let's go to the scoreboards and work out where that place is overall dear listeners we took a time out we averaged our scores it's a nice round number eight so our current eights from bottom to top are the hunger we said it's better than that midnight run we said it's better than that last jedi better than that exorcist 3 better than that lego batman better than that upgrades it's not better than that so that is where it sits between lego batman and upgrades and above upgrade is Black Panther. So it's sitting pretty, pretty good mm. in the top of the eights. Uh, that is good. Good. It's good around fortieth. It's around fortieth in the overall rankings. So uh, nothing to be sniffed at. Uh, very well done to Dirty Dancing. Should we just give our um, preferred order? I'll tell you. I'll tell you mine uh, for the films that we did this year. Robocop number one, Dirty Dancing number two, Predator number three, and Harder Ticket to the Hawaii number four. Okay, for me, I'd say Predator number one, Dirty Dancing number two, Robocop number three, and Hard Ticket oh, number four. You've you've switched up uh, Robocop so I'll go and Predator. Predator, Robocop, Dirty Dancing, Hard Ticket to Hawaii. There we go. So the only thing we can agree on in our list is that Hard Ticket to Hawaii is bottom, but I don't think even the filmmaker would disagree with us putting it there up against those other films. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very good. Well, that was a lot of fun, boys. 1987, done and dusted. Shall we yes. say, we actually haven't said some listener reviews of this film. <laughs> Let's hit it. Let's hit it. Okay, first of all, we have Jamie Russell, and he says, My wife has spoken! So Jamie Russell's wife says, What's not to love? A fantastic soundtrack underpinning an engaging storyline, offering a window into a bygone era where societal expectations boosted some and held back others. 
absolutely agree, Jamie's yep. wife. It sounds like Jamie's wife is um, um, Luke Human. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mrs. Jamie is very eloquent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, we have Mark from Movie Drone, not Steve. Uh, and he says, a timeless classic. It's some great dialogue and the ultimate film to watch with the missus as a nice romantic evening, knowing you're going to enjoy the film a little too much, but don't let it on. Mark, obviously. 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 Well, yes, uh, it was yeah. nice to watch it with Jenny. I, I, it would have felt weird to watch it alone. but well, not weird, but, you know. Well, I we watched it alone. The thing, I know, but I, I assume you've already watched it with her before. Yes, true, true. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Paul... Paul, my, my personal Paul, this is another Paul. I know many Pauls in life. Not the Paul that you are, sir. Of course. I did not send a review in. <laughs> no. This is another Paul that I know. It says, a timeless classic. Live the American dream and be a rebel at the same time in an easy, watchable way. Yes, indeed, sir. Live the easy American watching. dream. It, mm. is, it is an easy watcher. That's what I mean. It just zips by. You don't, you yeah, don't feel the definitely. length at all. It's like, yeah, all of this feels natural. Let's, you keep ticking through the motions. Absolutely. Next, we have Sean Paddle Nicholson, and he says, I love it. Generally weird how a film made in the 80s, set in the 1960s, with mixed music genres from both time periods, can capture the heart of a man in his 30s in the 21st century. That's wonderful. <laughs> it's a classic. Yes, brilliantly put. Yeah, great, great. That's the way to, to put it, yeah. Well put, Sean. Oh, yes. Uh, next up, we have Chris Watt. He says, ah, Dirty Dancing. I have a theory that Swayze actually plays a shag happy time traveller in this, given that he puts on a record at the end that he has clearly bought with him from the simp pop 80s. <laughs> I like to think it was a prequel to Roadhouse. Yeah, I mean, that is the thing. It's set in the 60s, but very 80s songs. Yes. I kind of like it when that happens in films and TV shows, when you have, like, you know, like Piggy Blinders, when yeah. you have contemporary yes. music in there. I, I find the jarring styles works. I feel like that's what um, made Harder They Fall so good with the yes. uh, regular. Yeah. But it has to be done well, though. You can't just be... you got to still put in songs that would kind of work with it. Oh, yes. Mm, of course. Yes, indeed. And this final one, uh, dear listeners, I implore you to go and find the original tweets rather than just listen to me read it out because there's a video uh, attached. And uh, this is from Camaray Semi-Productions who says, I love it so much that when my monkey lizard returned home after running away, we nerdy danced to our duet version of I've Had the Time of My Life. Go ahead and watch the video, uh, <laughs> listeners. It's, uh, it's uh, wild stuff. Two and a half minutes of craziness. If you type in Cam Ray Semi Productions into YouTube, it will come up, I'm sure. It has fuckloads of views. Yes. <laughs> uh, so thanks for commenting on our stuff, folks. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that is actually now the end of our 1987 Is this your, oh, your favourite Patrick Squayze film then? Uh, yeah, I no, think it must be. Not for me. I think Point Break still is because it's just ridiculous. Mm, I need to I revisit think... Ghost, but I think Ghost is for me. Oh, Ghost, yeah. I haven't seen yeah. that in a long time. I love that film. Mm. Um, so I, I feel like just because we're closing out 1987, this is probably the appropriate time to let listeners know what year we're tackling next. Yes. Yeah. I'd say so, yeah. 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 We're going forward, aren't we? But we're not going... We are. We're, no, that we're jumping forward, a decade. We? A decade. We're ju literally jumping 10 years. Mm. And What year are we jumping to? What's 19? 10? Minus, what, 10? Minus, what's 10 plus, plus 1987? 87 plus 10 equals... You weirded that in such a weird way, Paul. <laughs> you got 97. We're going to 97. And we've already got our film pick. Courtesy of... patron. Nerdrovert. It's Nerdrovert, and he picked Fincher's classic, The Game. Oh, yes. Is this our yes. first Fincher film? 
I, I believe think it is. so. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. A big director. We haven't really touched on him, have we? Mm. And back in '87, I don't believe Fincher was uh, directing anything. So we are well and like truly into Alien the new. Alien Three was game. one of his first films, wasn't it? Yeah, that's mid '90s. I can't remember when it is exactly. I feel like that's '93. Yeah, that is '93. I think. Um, anyway, we're very excited to be covering the film Nerd Revert, and the game is something that we've all seen before, but I haven't seen in a long time. So, honest, yeah, I'm going to judge it fresh. Yes, and see where '97 takes us, boys. I don't even know yet. I haven't even looked what I want to pick. So, am I picking <laughs> after Nerd Revert? Yes. So the way it will go is Nerd Revert, then you, then me, then Paul. Yes. Paul Wonderful. picks last. Yes. And I find being the person who picks last means you kind of want to balance out what's been picked before as well. So it's a good yeah, thing, Paul, definitely. not to think about what your pick is yet. Yeah, definitely. That's a good idea. Right, wonderful. Well, shall we move on to our patrons have to say this week? Yes, what they've been watching. Yes, they've been, they're going to tell us what we've been watching, whether it's bad or good. They're going to tell us. First of all, we have Sean Powder Nicholson, and he says, Worst is definitely Fifty Shades Freed. Fuck me, it's awful. The whole trilogy is terrible. I watched them as a favour for my wife, and she hated them too. There is barely a plot to these films at all, and the whole thing is grim as fuck. Avoid, avoid, avoid. I don't think we have to say anything in that film, about, about, apart from just avoid it as well. Avoid. <laughs> I've, I've never watched any of them. Hmm. Do you have anything to say about that, Adam? Nope. I don't avoid? really care for them. Is that three avoids, like Sean said? Avoid, avoid, avoid? avoid. I don't think I've seen them. Avoid the trilogy. We're all going to say avoid, because we've been yes. avoiding it. That's why we Let's haven't seen it. Let's just say avoid. Just avoid. <laughs> Best was a toss-up, but I'll pick one. I finally watched Friday the 13th for the first time ever. Ooh. I loved it. It was so much better than I thought it would be, and I want to watch more. The only problem I had with it was that I knew what the end jump scare was because I've watched countless horror documentaries. Still, it's fantastic. Okay, now then, let's talk about Friday the 13th very, very briefly. I'm a massive fan of it, but it's very, very samey. Halloween is far superior, but I know there's big horror fans who are like, no, Friday the 13th is superior. It's great, but it becomes very fucking repetitive. I haven't seen it so long. Adam, you've watched it recently, or did you watch the second one recently? Uh, I haven't watched the first one in a while. I think it might have been the second. Or one of those, yeah. The first one is the when he's they're on the boat, is it? The first the one end. is when, yeah, and he and, well, I, I, I'm going to spoil it because everyone knows, as uh, he, he said, but Jason isn't the killer in it. It's his mum. Yes. Yes. Pamela. Um, Pamela Voorhees. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I pulled that out somewhere. And uh, you did You did very well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the, uh, we covered Jason X, of course. So we have a Friday the 13th film, which you could... Uh, watch at some oh, point yes, and, li- and listen to Sean mm, mm, indeed I, I'm reading a in this week's uh, edition of Bookbusters I'm reading a book <laughs> at the moment called uh, Beneath the Blade Beneath the Blade okay. and it's the whole concept is the final girl has escaped and it's about her life 20 years later and but it's very realistic so it sets up a sort what, of like Friday, Friday the 13th f- final girl no, just any, just any final oh, okay. girl. But it sets up a concept of a girl that has gone through like a Friday the 13th type scenario with this like horrific killer and has escaped with her life. And it's like 20 years later, but then a very realistic story, not a slasher story. How quickly how do you she... go through books? Well, not very quickly, uh, but I'm, I, I've made it a sort of personal goal this year to read at least one a month. Do as many as possible. No, just one a month. Very good. 
Uh, next up, we have Katie and Oti, and they said, we just watched Kill Bill Volume 1, and man, it was a slog to get to. The pacing was stationary, dialogue uninspired, and the portrayal of Asian people rivals Breakfast at Tiffany's. Hurts to say, seeing as we both love Kill Bill previously, take us back to the Jackie Brown, Pam Greer love chain. They love that Jackie Brown. Um, if you if you think Kill Bill number one as a bad portrayal of Asian people, yeah, watch Kill Bill number two. Oh my lord! <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember it having a bad portrayal. I just thought he was doing his version of a martial arts film. Yeah, it is over it's the over the top, top stereotypical a, Western. Like, I think everything's over the top in that film, isn't it? It's that whole thing of like Tarantino being a case of well, I've got this God complex as a director now, so I can make any movie I want about anything. And mm. sure, yeah, there should be no limitations on art, but to a point where you essentially appropriate a, a entire continent and country's yeah. style and say, I'm going to do it and play it and for it's the last bit. the best. Mm. Yeah. How they said, how they feel about volume one is kind of how I feel about number two. I quite enjoy volume one. It's not yeah, great. I like volume one. Volume two it's is not good. bad. I got, I got news for you. They're both bad. <laughs> I didn't like them back then and I don't like them now that's good uh, Jackie Brown on the other hand is very good Jackie it Brown is. is better than Pulp Fiction he goes Reservoir Dogs and then uh, Jackie Brown before Pulp Fiction in that order for those three uh, I don't agree but move on right. you're suckered <laughs> in by the Pulp Fiction bullshit um, yes and that Breakfast at Tiffany's racism is outrageous I remember watching that and oh yes ugh horrendous Horrible. horrendous people don't talk about that but it is oh. Breakfast at Tiffany's is a good film apart from this really horrible portrayal Mickey Rooney Mickey Rooney it's just yeah horrible um, okay thank you and next is Julio who said inspired by Paul's low rating of it the first I'd seen or heard of it I finally checked out In and of Itself uh, which patrons will know uh, Paul watched last month. It was actually pretty good. I'm not into the whole self-help vibe, but once you disconnect from what the dude is selling and just watch it as a performance, it's quite enjoyable. Very manipulative, but fascinating to observe from the outside. The Bill Gates bit is ridiculous, though. So a different opinion to you, Paul. Mm-hmm. And I know that Luke's watched it, and he absolutely hated it more than me. So there we ah. go. Diverse. <laughs> it's one for the Americans, clearly, right? Uh, I think so. <laughs> And, and and while Julio is dropping takes that the rest of us don't agree with, although one of us does agree with, as for a bad one, last night in Soho was a letdown. I loved the first half, but I felt it dropped the ball really badly once it started building up to the third act. It was an interesting, unusual, supernatural drama that became a generic horror movie as it came to a close. I still appreciate that Wright went for something very different from his standard type of film, though. The thing that I reflect on on this, and I do, I every time I think of it, I look back on how the ending is a letdown and it is a disappointment but I think in the spirit of Giallo films which went crazy and ridiculous in the final act this is what Edgar Wright was doing it's the only way I can justify it and reconcile it essentially Giallo films are playing and building up the suspense and then in that final act they go and here's something fucking crazy that's going to happen it works very well in Giallo films because it works thematically and stylistically but in this I don't think it worked as well because Western audiences aren't primed for it. But I could kind of see through it and I could see it for the Jarlo at heart that it really mm. was. Yeah. yeah. I get that. I, did, I didn't think it was bad. I gave it a seven. I just, I, but I do agree that it was I, a letdown. I think I saw Tudio's score and he gave it a four. Yeah, he's very low. Yeah, it was very, very low. But yeah, it was a letdown. I, that is a key word for me. It was a letdown for me. Mm. 
Yeah. I think the ending was a letdown, but the rest of the film was great. Right, should we move on to Jamie Russell? Yeah. Right, finally, Jamie Russell says, I don't really have a bad film to report, so I'll just focus on a good one with The Lost Daughter. I would highly recommend watching this. As a parent to two children, it perfectly represents the crippling responsibility that it can be. Coleman, it's excellent as always, and I'm not sure if I can think of a more consistently brilliant actor working at present. Jesse Buckley also does a pitch-perfect job at impersonating a younger Coleman in a narrative that regularly goes from the past to the present. I can agree with Jamie. It is a very, very great film. Yes, and it is. So can you, Adam, don't you? Yes. Well, I've got it on the hit list and the watch list, so it will be watched. Yes. There's no point saying any more because we don't want to ruin anything. Thank and you. And Ben, you can uh, tell us what you think in a Patreon episode, maybe, if you like it that much. I will tell you, and I'll be venomous for it, the knives will be out. Oh, I hope so. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, and that is that is it. That's the end of the episode. That's the end of Dirty Dancing, and that is the end of 1987. Oh, I'm so long. It. I'm going to miss it. When will we return to the 80s? Nobody knows. Ooh, nobody knows. But it's out of our hands. But one thing's for sure, we will never return to 1987. What about if we do? We won't. Every round has to be a new year. What about if someone really wants to pick a film for that? Tough shit. Too late. <laughs> Tough shit. It's gone. Yeah. Until we've done every you have to year. You pay us double patron money. <laughs> Until we've done every single year that a film was released. <laughs> we'll be doing 1901. We'll be doing the Great Train Robbery and shit like that. Just that, that 10 second footage yeah, of a train film, coming out the screen. Every single time. What film yeah. are you picking? I'm going to pick the Great Train Robbery. Uh, which one are you picking? Uh, I'm picking the. What's the other one? What's the other early film? The Train Robbery Trip, to the, moon. Trip to the Moon, yeah. <laughs> I could talk about that, though. We we'll were talking about the bottle in the moon eye. A decade rather than a, a year. <laughs> Well, fucking Mickey Mouse the magician in that film it's out of our hands the patrons will decide absolutely so until then let's uh, enjoy looking forward to 1997 and doing the game and doing the time warp let's do the time let's warp do let's the do time the time warp, warp again. again it's just a jump to your left she's like the wind uh, why don't you, I keep setting you up for Through lyrics and trees. you keep cocking it up Paul we're doing a compilation. Oh, are we? Oh, right. I see. I feel a breath in my face. A body close to me. This doesn't sound like a compilation. It sounds like you're just singing the entire song. Can't look in her eyes. <laughs> he gets one question about uh, Patrick Swayze, right? Just and it goes to his Eddie Thinks. He is Patrick Swayze. Anything she needs. It sounds I like the whole song now. It sounds like uh, Mr. He's Bean like covering it. Deal, Master.